Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, founders, welcome back. Today, we have a special surprise for you. We are kicking off our series of follow-ups with some of our favorite guests uh, from earlier on in the podcast. And today, we are fortunate enough to be joined by Brian Minnick, who is the COO of Zero Bounce. You may recall our episode from earlier where we talked about everything from uh, finding and celebrating people's strengths and putting them in their their, their kind of sweet spot, uh, how to transition into a company and do that well and make changes, how to celebrate success and, 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 and lead to uh, ongoing motivation for people. If you haven't listened to that first episode, please go back and listen to it. Fantastic episode. But now... We are going to celebrate their uh, success from almost where are they now, almost the Shark Tank update, right? <laughs> what happened yep. after the last time we saw them. And then we're going to take a little bit of a deep dive just into getting to know Brian a little better. So first thing is I saw that you guys have recently made the, the Inc. 5000 list again, which is quite a feat. So congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, for three years in a row we've been on that. And, you know, it's really just, again, testament to, uh, to the team. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. So uh, catch us up just a little bit and anything that has changed or grown since the last time we talked at the company level. Sure. Um, yeah. So we've kind of expanded some more resources, brought some more people on, uh, you know, just trying to hire the smartest people we can find. Right. Yeah. And, and the, the most go getter type people. It's, it's again, I know we talked about it, but that's that's who we are deep down. Um, and you know, each time we find one, it's amazing. Just like kicks it up another notch and kicks it up another notch. And so it's coming to the point where it's like, just if you're good, please send me, your resume. <laughs> send me your resume. Cause I'm interested. Yeah. Well, have you guys been experiencing what I seem, sounds like everybody I talked to is, which is it was already tough to find talent, but in the last six months to a year, it's gotten even harder. Has that been your experience or has it not been? Um, it's interesting. So we're a smaller company, so I don't, I'm not, you know, hiring hundreds at a time. I'm, I'm hiring one or two here and there. Um, and luckily I've been able to kind of get some people that I have experience with. And so that that's been really key. So the relationship took over market, which was yeah. fantastic when you're in a very challenging market, trying to find good people. Um, but yeah, I, I would say, I think that's fair when we have had to look for people outside. Um, you know, it's been, it's been tough. Yeah. So for you, you're stable. You're still able to pull the who do you know card. Yeah, I mean, well, we're small enough. So, like I said, I'd rather hire one rock star than than take chances on three that I'm unsure on. So yeah, um, what's the size of the week. team now? Now at zero bounce, uh, it's about thirty. Okay, so gotcha. Yep. Which I, I think last time we talked it was probably around twenty, maybe or something like that. Um, we've probably grown a little bit, maybe five or five people or so. So yeah, yeah. that sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And then, uh, man, I wanted, I wanted to, like I said, make this conversation about you a little bit more just to get to know you some. And, uh, so some of these questions, maybe you thought about, you'll be thinking about for the first time here, which would be fun and an adventure to put you on the spot and sure. others, maybe you've already gleamed through some kind of self-awareness about yourself. Uh, but my first thing is just what I'm always curious about people is, is what do you think drives you the most? We've all got different drivers. Some it's curiosity, some it's achievement, some it's proving the haters wrong. <laughs> you know, like sure. what do you think drives you to to kind of perform at your best? Uh, for me, it's always been I've, I've picked this up a long time ago. Is being just 
intellectually curious about things. And so, you know, if I get into a topic or I get into a company or a business or a vertical, whatever it is, I want to know every damn thing about it. I want to know how it breathes. I want to know why it works this way. I want to know what attracts people to it. So for me, it's the, I get heavy into research, which is also a downfall of, of my personality, but I've learned to when to stop that. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I just, I really want to know what makes things tick. And I want to, you know, it's not like no one has to tell me to do that. You know, you just give me something interesting and I'll go down the, the rabbit hole until I'm like, I think of myself as a master of that topic because I've done so much research on it. So for me, that's, that's, that's really it. Yeah. Uh, Has that been that way as long as you can remember or did that come on later in life? As long as I can remember, I remember being a kid and uh, I'm not sure if I told you the story around when I got grounded, uh, uh-huh. picked, uh, so I got grounded when I was 13, maybe even younger. Um, and I got grounded from outside. I couldn't go out and play with, with the buddies down the street. So I went on the computer. I didn't know, there was nothing else to do. I couldn't leave the house. Uh, started. That's how I actually figured out programming. So I found music. I found a way to get music. I was interested in that. And then how I got the music, I was like, how did I get that? Like, that was a robot. How did somebody yeah. build this robot? Found out how they built the robot and actually released, started releasing software at like 15. Um, so that's, that's just how I am. And I've, I've been able to kind of identify that. Do you ever, do you ever hit periods in your life or in your career where you, 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 you almost plateau energy wise and get a little restless or bored and then realize, Oh, I, I got away from the, my curiosity or this yep. stopped being something that naturally grabbed my curiosity. Yes, definitely. Um, I think it's just human nature to kind of get, I don't want to say bored, but in a routine, right. Where you're kind of not doing anything new. You're just, yeah. you know, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, instead of kind of skipping around to see what else is out there. So yeah, I do find myself to, to get, I don't want to say bored, but in a routine. And I'll try to break that by, uh, you know, because if I'm in a routine, then I feel the whole company's in a routine. And when the whole company's in a routine, that's not good. Like, yeah. it's good to a degree that if systematically it's okay. Uh, but when people but are just so innovation. comfortable, not for innovation. And so um, usually I'll try to spark something up, you know, throw some, uh, I don't know, I like to call them grenades, like, you know, just pull the pin and throw it in the middle of the dev team. And it's like, good luck. Uh, <clears throat> you know, and I'm sure it stresses them out, but at the same time it keeps, I, it keeps people moving. Right. And keeps the, the brain going. So, um, yeah. At yeah this how point, do you like, feed that? Like, how do yeah. you feed that for yourself? You know, I would imagine in younger years, maybe you did this, maybe you didn't, but an immature version of that drive would always think they need to go somewhere else. Right. Like, well, I guess there's nothing curious about this industry anymore or this company. I've got to, I've always got to go somewhere else versus maybe finding where you could still be curious and grow and learn right here if you thought about it a little bit. Yeah. How do you how do you feed your own curiosity right where you are? Um, that's a great question. I think I kind of do the same do the same thing. I'm like, "Okay, so we we're doing X, Y, and Z and like I'll give you an example. I want to do um we came across some software like marketing automation software to re-engage customers and, you know, contact churn customers. And, you know, it's a whole system. It needs, it needs schematics in a sense, you know, it needs to be fed and it needs to, to produce. And so, I don't know, I just find things like that. And I'm like, yeah, like, how can I grow the business? Right. That's, that's typically what's on my head. How can I grow the business? Um, and and I, I believe I mentioned it cause I always talk about this, you know, like I believe in like the one, two, three percenters, right. And you do those 10 times, now you've grown 10, 20%. Mm. Um, and so I don't know, I just keep looking for those things. And sometimes I, sometimes I don't find them. And 
uh, sometimes, yeah, I would agree with you. Maybe get in that, in that groove where you don't want to do that, but I usually can feel it. And then I'm like, all right, you know, like you got to shake <laughs> off. Right. And, and yeah. kind of reset, but it's natural. So I, I think it's, uh, as long as you can identify it, I think that's actually the really important part is to put your, put your finger on that and say, all right, it's time. And then yes. give yourself a project. Yes. Yeah. That's uh, so the reason I'm asking is I feel like I'm very similar in that I'll notice if I start getting a little apathetic, you know, a little bit going through the motions feeling, I'll snap out of it and realize like, oh, I've stopped learning or being curious or growing. And then I'll be on a hunt for a little bit of something that's calling out to me. Yep. And then it just, unlo it's like, it kind of unkinks me a little bit. And then I'm super engaged. My emotions are back. My enthusiasm's yep. back. Uh, staring into the future and seeing something that's possible or learning something that would improve what we're doing right now that I find really fascinating. And it's like, oh man, I, I just want to, I'm trying to learn to build that in a little bit more into a day-to-day -day awareness mm -hmm. versus a, oh man, I went, I hit that slump again and it took me too long to remember what was going on. Yep. 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 All else fails vacation. <laughs> That's right. Right. I mean, go, go away for a week and, and come back. You, you have plenty of emails to figure out and, you know, ideas will come. So yeah, uh, that's my, that's my, my fallback. Yeah. Do you do anything in general that kind of feeds your, your learning curiosity? Like, are you a reader, a podcast listener, a Ted talk listener? Like interesting. What? None of the above. Um, none of the above. None of the above. I think what I'm doing is I'm just constantly, I'm, I do check out like different tech sites and I kind of just see like news articles, things, what's going on. So I do read, but I'm not sitting there reading a book uh, necessarily. So yeah, I just try to look for cutting edge stuff and what's, what's new and try to get to it early is yeah. kind of always. So if I'm always early, then everyone else is always late, right? Is how I see it. And so, especially when we're talking about competitors, uh, we want to be the first to, to come out with things. We want people chasing us. And so <clears throat> that's how I think about things. Just see things, grab ideas. I mean, we have ideas everywhere. So it's just yeah. a matter of uh, picking something and kind of moving forward with it. But yeah. Is the company, would you say the, I know every personality is different, but if the company had an identity or a personality profile, does it tend to lean towards the innovative side, the creative side? Um, or is that more just a you personality? I would say a little bit of that. And also we, we foster entrepreneurship in a sense. And so we like people to think about their own team as a business. Right. And so, you know, think about it as if you're a business and it, it can apply to any department. I don't, there's no apartment I don't think that this can apply to. So even support, it's like your job's to make people happy, right? And, mm. and to, to escalate problems higher up and get them noticed by the tech team quicker, right? And so we just kind of set that culture and just push it. Do you ever get any creative chaos where you've come up with so many ideas that we lost track of focus or you know we haven't figured out how to chase some of those down, you know, that kind of thing? Yes, but I think that's healthy. Um, so to a degree, right. You can't get so lost in that, but if, so I'll give you an example. We have a, a weekly product meeting every single week. It's most of the managers and we're talking about any and everything, no ideas off the table. And, you know, sure. One week we'll spend 20 minutes on an idea and then next week it's gone. Like no one even cares about it. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> it's gone. And, you know, or it's, we're not going to build it in X, Y, and Z, but, I think that's healthy. I think it's, it's, 
because the problem is you get hung up on one idea and you just became so laser focused on this one idea that you lost perspective of everything else. And, you know, if you can sleep on it and come back a week later and you're not talking about it, it wasn't that important. Right. Yes. Period. It wasn't that important. Um, And that's okay because sometimes you will have that one. It's like, so what's the latest on this topic? What's the latest on this topic? That's Uh how, you know, you know, something's really there. There's, there's meat on that bone and that's, that's what we're looking for. So no idea. I love that. I love that. That's, that's the kind of a creative rule of thumb that I've, I've focused on for myself, whether it's in life, the things that I need to put some more thought and time and energy into, or like a a book I want to write or whatever is the ones that I can't shake, you know, Mm -hmm. otherwise, like you said, I can have a ton of things that excite me for a second that excite me for a conversation. But if I go to bed and I forget about it and it doesn't come back to me, I don't really care about it that much. Yep. But if I throw it away like a boomerang and it still comes back and hits me in the back of the head, well, then maybe we should have a follow-up conversation and start inching towards that idea, right? Yep. Totally agree. It's, uh, you know, to me, that's when great things happen. Because like I said, I think I've seen and I've witnessed it firsthand. I've been part of it firsthand where it's like, we have to do this. And everyone's in the, everyone in the room that's not the manager is going, why the hell are we doing this? Literally, yeah. why are we doing this? And, but the manager's so hung up on it or, you know, the product owner, whoever it is, doesn't matter. Whoever's really just held on to that like glue, whether it's your idea, which is another problem. It's your idea and you're so hung up on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, you just, that's how I try to look at it. And, and, but the important part is making sure people come with ideas because, and, and no bias to it. If it's good, it's good. If it's not good, it's all good. No problem. Um, you know, because at least number one, they feel heard super important. Uh, they feel part of the mission. Right. And I guarantee you, if you do this enough and do it in the right way, every person in that room should have one of those ideas that you're like, we have to do this and we really have to do it. Um, if they're not quite honestly, they're probably not the right person for that room. Um, and that's okay too, but you know, they should be adding value. And if that's the type of personalities you're hiring, they'll come to the table with that. Who are, who are, who are typically in those kind of meetings that you, you would just be having brainstorming stuff like this? Uh, yep. Tech owner, uh, marketing owner, sales owner. Um, you know, so the managers of all these departments support owners. So, you know, they, sh- because in a sense, the way we do believe is everything should kind of roll up and funnel back down. So if the team is talking to the manager, the manager should know everything. When the yeah. manager's talking to everybody, every other manager, you know, and just create that kind of awareness. Uh, so when they have ideas, it's usually because they're hearing themes. That's another thing I'm constantly, guys, what's the theme? Mm. You know, and, and they're like, oh, well, one person, that's not a theme. That's a, that's a comment. What's the theme? <clears throat> and, you know, sometimes you just have to kind of train people on that to think like that. Um, you know, you hear something enough, you got to do something. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Either tell somebody, fix it address it at the company level, you know, something. So that's what we look for. What's the context of a meeting like that where, where those kinds of things get addressed? Is it, we're, we're checking for headlines, you know, then part of the meeting is getting feedback from everybody on on things they're seeing. And then that leads to these conversations or what's the context of it usually? Yeah. Usually a theme would come from, from people interfacing with our customers is how I see the themes. So that would be like support and sales, right? So support, if they're getting lots of tickets about, um, you know, I want to download the data in this format or why can't I download the form data in this format? They'll come in every flavor of asking that question possible, but 
all in all, that's what they're asking, right? They want the format in this particular way. And yeah. then, you know, we should be able to get that information back. And so when it comes to the meeting, the topics are, we talk about what we either are working on and what's in progress from this meeting. Um, and then we always leave 20 to 25 minutes. It's, it's a one hour meeting. We always leave, we leave usually about half to talk about new and we just go around the table and what's up, what do you got? What's going on? Um, and sometimes the themes are like, yeah, we've heard this one, but we're not going to, you know, we talked about it. We're not going to do anything. And then sometimes it's, like I said, it's that, that slap you in the face. Why didn't we think of that? You know, and, yeah. and your customers are really your best, sometimes can be really good idea thinkers for you. Um, and you just need to know when to filter it for, is this applicable for my whole company? Or yeah, is this yeah. For this guy. A one-off problem for this person. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, but that's, you know, to me, that's a leader's job too, is to help you know, think about when you're bringing the topics, is this a topic that's for one person? Is this a topic for the whole company? Is this something that benefits, you know, we, we look at things like it should benefit revenue. It should benefit, benefit support. It should benefit innovation. Uh, where does this fall, right? Does it increase efficiency that lowers costs? Does it, you know, does it provide value to the client? Something like that. It has to fall into something like that. You can't just, we just don't accept the literal off the wall comment that has yeah. no context to kind of a, a pillar. Totally makes sense. Uh, I want to switch gears just a little bit and, and get the conversation back on some curiosity I have around you. A, a, a challenge for everyone in general is that we're all wearing multiple hats, right? So whether that's inside the company or just in life, you are the COO, you're also a husband, you're also a dad to two uh, to two daughters, right? Both yep. girls, Yep. one being only a few weeks old six weeks old something like six that six weeks old yep six weeks old and so there's just demands on each one of those hats that we wear how are you currently and the reason i say currently is because in different stages maybe we think about it differently or something is is more important in one season versus another but how are you currently thinking about managing or balancing or whatever word we want to use the demands between a life at home that needs you a lot and a company that needs you a lot yeah um it's challenging uh, the, you know if, if anyone doesn't say that then they either have a lot of help <laughs> <laughs> or they're slacking somewhere. Right. So I do believe yeah. in, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very analytical and data driven. So my thought process is always like, all right, you got a hundred percent of me, right. It's, it's, it's all I got. I can't, there's, there's not 140% of me. There's a hundred percent of me. And, you know, I just attempt and I'm not perfect at it. It's something, you know, actually having kids is helping me get better at this um, is how much to divvy up and, what times of day is it? So quite honestly, what I've, what I've found myself doing is, you know, I help I get my daughter to, to daycare in the morning, get the routine going, uh, come back, work all day. And, you know, you usually get our daughter around five o'clock and I take that like five to six 30, spend a lot of time with her, try to, um, just because she's going to bed. Right. So I just try to find that balance. She goes back to bed. If I have something to do, then, you know, I'll kind of go back to work, but, um, you know, I don't, it's really hard. Quite honestly, it's pretty hard to juggle the time. Um, yeah. But what's important too, I think, is communicating. So, you know, for the most part, people know I'm not really going to be working between five and six thirty. Like we kind of run twenty four seven. Is is how our business operates. And okay. so there's always people working, <clears throat> and kind of you know, part of that is people will ping you at any time of the day, literally three in the morning, whatever it might be. Doesn't mean I'm up and answering it, but you'll get those messages. So, um, I just 
I just, even if I'm, I see the message on my phone or something like that, I try not to respond. Yeah. Just so that's an expectation, right? That, hey, from around here, I'm, I'm really going to try my best not to be around. Uh, if it's an emergency, that's a different story. Um, so that's what I'm attempting to do on the weekends. I devote, I don't really work. I, I do my best to devote to, to family and, and all cool. that. Um, but during the week, it can be challenging. That's for sure. Especially when you have schedules and appointments and then you have your own appointments and you have meetings, you have podcasts, you have client calls, whatever it might be. And yeah, you, know, you don't want to let anyone down. That's what I feel. It's, it's, it's as much of a physical energy mm-hmm. that each of those requires you to be really there. You know, if, even when you're playing with your kids, like you got to get on their level, you're down, you're feeding, you're changing, you're making yep. them laugh or helping them avoid a tantrum or whatever. And then the same thing at work, you're like fully on. So there's the physical energy, but then there's also the emotional energy of just not wanting to let people down that I find challenging. Yep, for sure. Um, and there's a lot of pressure on that, right? So it's like, I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great husband. I want to be a great, you know, leader in our company. I want to be great at all of them. But the truth of the matter is, unless you figure out a way to balance that time, you can't, right? Yeah. I, I, something will sacrifice, whether it's on your personal side or your professional side. <clears throat> and quite honestly, I think that's actually a, a big topic, like in our country. I think we actually need to talk about this. Yeah. Um, because it's just, I don't know, my whole life, I've always been 100% busy, like almost 95% business before kids, 95% business. Everything else is like nights and weekends. I'll figure all that out for the personal side. Um, but just as I get older and, you know, kids definitely throw a massive curveball yeah. into, into your time, especially if you're not necessarily thinking it will, which kind of was me. Uh, it's like, hey, how, bad, uh, how much time could that possibly take? And it's like, okay, I get quite it. Quite a lot. Yeah, quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Quite a bit. But I've, you know, I have an amazing wife, I have amazing support around us to, to help us. Um, and so, you know, just doing the best you can. I think that's really all you can do. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You talked about like, if we just look at the trend of what maybe our society naturally produces in a positive, and then on the flip side, what it's not naturally producing is I think overall, we've learned how to create great businesses, but we often haven't learned how to create great lives. Yep. Right. And so it's like, well, that's why we're an entrepreneurial nation and we're leading in all this innovation because we know how to create great businesses. Yep. But we're not really talking about how to create a great life, you know? And so often people feel like they have to pick one or the other. I have to either sacrifice my business aspirations to be a present, you know, father and a husband or a wife and a mother or I have to sacrifice the family so that I can go be a businesswoman or be a businessman, you know? Yep. And I think there's some of us out there saying, can't we do both? You know, is there, yep. is there, is there a way we can do both? And I think there is. There is. I just think it's challenging. And it's, yes. it's certainly an adjustment if you're at that point of, whoa, I need, to, I need more time for personal or, yeah. you know, family or whatever it might be. Um, it's definitely an adjustment. So to me, the biggest thing that I can say is, <clears throat> I just tried my best to communicate it. Like, Hey guys, listen, I've, you've you know, cause I was here before I had kids and it's like, Hey, you know, I'll give you 110%, even though I don't have that, I'll give it to you. Yeah. <clears throat> but just as we continue to go and, you know, thankfully too, I put things in a lot of places, so, you know, in a good place at the company. So um, it's actually relieving that I can take time away and step away for a minute and be like, okay, you know, these guys got it. Um, and I found myself sometimes just not answering some of the questions on yeah. purpose yeah. just to see, you know, do these guys really, what do they need? Obviously, if they keep asking and I'm failing, not me or maybe someone's failing in the company to, to kind of do this information 
allow people to to step back. So you shouldn't be stuck to a point where you can't do anything on your personal side. Yeah. Uh, but See, I will huge. say, yeah, working from home though, has been a, it's been a huge benefit. And at the same time, um, you know, allowed me to balance that better because if I was literally in the office nine to six, which is what I was usually more like nine to seven, right. I lose a lot of that time. And so, um, it's been a, been a big benefit for me personally. Yeah. Well, I want to touch on what you said earlier, because especially for people that are in the early stages of starting their company, I think there has been a myth that for, for me to be important to the business, I should always be um, critical, right? And so we end up creating these businesses where we can't take that time off at night or we can't. And it's like at the beginning, maybe so, right? Because there's so yep. many there's so many things you're balancing. But if you're several years in, five, ten years in, and you can't set some boundaries and people can't answer the question for themselves, you have to kind of ask, did I create a codependent culture? Or, you know, could I have created something where there's more autonomy and there's more – um, yeah, there's more people that can actually handle that themselves. And th I just think that's interesting. Like we feel important. Like if you create something where I can't step away, you yep. feel important, but you also haven't really created a business. You've created a dependency on you. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, actually I did that. Um, at one of probably my first really big kind of career step, um, I was, you know, part of a founder's group that I, I wasn't the founder. I was the youngest guy in the room, just new tech. Um, but helped design this whole business uh, to the point where, you know, I knew every single thing about it, everything. And whenever people needed things, they always came to me. Um, then I got into the rut of, well, it will take me so much longer to train someone. I'll just do it myself. And then, yes. you know, you rinse and repeat that over and over and over. <clears throat> Man, the day I left that company was one of the happiest days of my life. Like the, the amount of, and I did it to myself, to be completely fair. It's no one's fault but my own. Um, but I created so much, you know, self-induced stress on vacation. I actually went on cruises on purpose because the only way I could get off <laughs> only way. I mean, <laughs> sorry. See ya. No, I can't call you from the boat. Sorry. That's it. I'm gone. Um, wow. so, and you know, but that's not, that's not good. That's actually really bad. But you know, when I was in the middle of that and in hindsight, I realized it's not good in the middle of it man, I felt like job security is like, yeah. like no, no one else and ask for a raise. I'm going to get it, you know, all these kind of things. But in reality, um, I don't know. I don't know if it necessarily helped, but it, it certainly, it pushed my career forward. There's no doubt about it because I was, you know, innovating on my own and doing things, but. Um, and maybe there's a time and a season for that, right? Where it's like, you push yourself, you learn new skills you, you grow in your ability to add value to a place by saying yes to a lot of stuff. Yep. But it's like when you go from a worker to a leader, I really do think we need to learn how to replace ourselves. Yes. That, that's actually part of the, the, the result of being a good leader is that you stop becoming irreplaceable. It's like, yep. no, that's ego. You know, at some point you need to think like, well, I, let's train someone to do this. Let's, let's get other people so that we can keep growing and expanding and evolving. And then also you're creating opportunities for other people to step into, right? Yes. And it's what excites people. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I just, I, I always look back to myself when I was going through my career and it was, I was operations manager, but deep down in my head, I wanted to be the COO. Like yes. I knew I did. Right. And so I kept, what can I do? What can I take off your plate? What can I do? What can I, how can I sit in on this meeting? You know, I would do these type of things to get that experience. 
And then I remember when I left that company, I became director of ops and he's like, Hey, why are you leaving? Like my CEO, he loved me. We were, you know, we were, we, it's a great, you know, opportunity. Everything was great. Hey, like, why are you leaving? I'm like, I want your seat. And you're never going to leave. And, and you're a partner and I don't, there's no bad feelings here, but what you tell me why I'm leaving. Like, you know, yeah. I want a good relationship with you. I'll do everything I need to walk out the door, but <clears throat> you know, I want to be in your seat. And, um, you know, I try to keep that in mind. So sure. I'm not going to hire a bunch of COOs, but when I know I have people in sales, I know they want to, you know, I talk to them, but <clears throat> yeah. if I know that's their personality. I try to step up with them, you know, and, and help them. We're still small. So everyone can't be a manager. Um, but, you know, I'll bring this guy into the meeting that is an innovative meeting, you know, and he wants to take it to the next step. So I, I love that. I just think it's important to, so one of the things I'm super proud of myself is not forgetting where I was and yeah. how I got to where I am <clears throat> and good opportunities came through and bad opportunities came through. Um, but just important. I don't know. To me, it's just super important to stay super humble about it because uh, I think that's why I am where I am today. It's because I went through those and I uh, can give some of that feedback. Yeah. Back around. Now you mentioned earlier that right now the state of the company is, is you could be getting pinged at any hour of the night, you know? Yep. Uh, do you, does that feel like for a season for a reason and that at some point uh, that wouldn't be the case or does it feel like that's actually what we want to do? And for the, you know, I think we'll always be having people at 10 o'clock at night who are still working on stuff. Um, well, I think our company is a little unique here. So we have an office in, <clears throat> in Europe um, and I have people in California, people in Florida, people in Spain. Uh, so I, in a sense, have this kind of revolving open hour door, right? Um, but when I say people ping me, that's probably in the wrong context. They'll ping the company like, hey, is anyone from sales on? You know, and I see everything. So it's like, boom, I get pinged. Um, but you know, we just have some miscellaneous things that, that, you know, pretty much myself I would do. But even this morning I woke up, there was a chat that came into me at 5.00 AM. <clears throat> I woke up trying to get everything going for the day. I see it on my phone. And the first thing that I think to myself is I need a backup period. Yeah. I need a backup. And that was actually what I responded. I didn't even answer the question. I just said, Hey, I'll work on getting a backup for this. Um, and now I'm going to just figure that out. So. I don't know. I just think it's uh, you got to have that that redundancy behind you. But no, I don't think the company culture will change in the sense of this is we operate twenty four seven. We just really do, and we're we have customers all over the world. Um, so I don't. Well, see that, that makes sense changing. with the multiple time zones and stuff. That that makes a lot <clears> of sense. I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah, I mean we have a lot of business in Australia, UK, <clears throat> all over Europe, Asia, India. I mean obviously us and, and all that so yeah we're all over the place so we'll probably never stop that sense but it's just a matter of who's responding right that's yeah. kind of what i try to do or hope that it is is the people within their kind of respected work time zones are responding versus waking up at 2 a.m because yeah yeah it makes sense man that is the challenge of globalization isn't it where yes the opportunity is we get to serve you know markets across the globe hire people across the globe the challenge mm -hmm. is you know, we were doing something uh, recently with a company, and the the whole challenge was when could we have one time to meet with people that represent so many different time zones? It's like, well, if we did it here, that'd be 10 p.m. for this person in Shanghai. And I was like, dang, yeah, that's yep. a, just a logistical challenge, right? Yeah, we have uh, actually we had it today. Uh, we have a company meeting once per month, and 
I kind of, uh, I made a mistake of asking people. That's where I made the mistake. It yeah. was like, hey, what time works for you? And it's like, yeah, that was not smart because everyone's going to be like, 2 p.m., right? right. Or like, whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, 2 p.m., that's 4 a.m. my time. That's not going to work. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's usually a sacrifice, whether it's some people can't make it or whatever it might be, but it just was like 11 a.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. in Europe, 9 a.m. and, you know, whatever it is. So, yeah. Um, well, well, the reason I ask is, and this sounds like it's actually different than what you guys are experiencing, because ultimately you'll have people in that time zone that could be responding or close to that time zone in a reasonable hour responding to the needs. Yep. But I just noticed, you know, uh, I heard a talk given by a neuroscientist years ago where he talked about uh, the effects of us, what he called invading the night, where there used to be this natural rhythm before there was electricity, which no one wants to go back to that time. It's not like that was a better time. Right. But one of the benefits was when the sun went down, we stopped working because we couldn't see, you know, mm -hmm. like I literally just couldn't, see, you can't see the field anymore. Yep. And so we had candles and you can't see much by the candle. So you just went to bed or you ate dinner or you made love or you drank with your friends. Yep. And th there was that rhythm of on and off every day, on and off. And that ever since we invaded the night, we've been more and more tempted to just always be on. And it's created mental health challenges. It's created, you know, relationship challenges, physical health challenges. Uh, and so I'm just always aware of that. Like, what does that look like now in our context? Like, when do we when do we shut off? Right. Yeah. If, and so that's that's just where my, my I and mean, even for you. Right. Like for me, the biggest challenge, let's say it's five o'clock and I walk downstairs because I'm working from home, too. It takes me a minute to change my brain out of business mode and yep. be present with my family and then it takes restraint not to check my phone or to not respond to the slack that someone so sent at 5 30 and i gotta show restraint to not respond till either that evening or the next morning and i'm just like okay that's a challenge it'd be very easy to just go with the flow and basically always be on yep. Does that makes sense yeah for sure i think this is the second you know killer is their cell phone Yes. Um, you know, I do remember pre-cell phone, this wasn't so bad. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but, well, not cell phone, but smartphone, right? Where literally every, I mean, I can basically run the business from my cell phone. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be pretty, but I could get a lot, a lot of stuff done from it. And that's kind of an issue, but yeah. it's also a good thing. So I mean, my dad was just talking about, <laughs> this is so funny. I, he was just talking about through the technological advancements that he's lived through when it comes to communication you know, he's he's about 70 years old. He ran a construction, a commercial roofing construction company for uh, 30 years. And we got all the way back from pay phones to landlines to beepers to walkie-talkies. And he was talking about how excited he was when he had a beeper that his foreman could wear, that he could finally get in touch with them through the beeper, that they would then run to the closest phone to call him. And then how he got more excited when radios were around they could reach across the city and yep. he's like, do you remember? I would have that on me, on me everywhere we went. And I was like, Oh my God, you're right. Like I can picture the radio yep. that he kept on his belt. And he was like, it was revolutionary. I could talk to them immediately. I couldn't believe that I could get instant access to my people wherever they were. And then the cell phone was in the car, but then he had to pick up a case to take the phone with him. And I was like, God, you lived through like several, like, almost like revolutions yeah, of communication. Sure. And now it's not just able to talk to me. I can send emails. I can, I can create products on my phone, videos, all that kind of stuff. Like 
no wonder why it's so freaking hard to turn it off. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was just what you when you were talking, you made me think about like what it was like for a, a, a guy who owned a trucking company in the 80s, right? No cell phone, no GPS. It's like, where the hell's my truck? My yeah, Where's where my is he? <laughs> and the <laughs> yeah, driver's probably looking at a map, like where, like an actual physical map. Where am yeah. I? Did I pass that turn? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it's a it's a blessing, and and there's a curse behind it too. If hopefully you can channel it and take the good from it, and and hopefully put it aside sometimes. But I definitely find myself as it being an issue. You know, yeah, disconnecting can be an issue and things like that. But and you can also uh, subtly virtue signal. You know, where like. You, you you know, certain cultures, and I know this in the culture of zero balance, but certain cultures are almost like it's a badge of honor to be the, to be working that late and yeah. working that hard. And so you'll send an email at 10 PM just to almost like let people know I was still working at 10 PM, you know? Yep. yep. And it's like, we don't actually need to celebrate that, you know? Yeah. Uh, I've so actually seen on, uh, on LinkedIn, I, I forgot which company it was. I could probably go back and find it, but they were talking about how, if you send an email after 6 p.m., like it's actually a flaw on your on your like score of, yeah. as an employee, and if you respond to it, it's a double flaw. So because you're you're promoting the the that, and I thought about that, and I was like, man, I mean, it can't apply to our business just because where, where you're we are, at, but yeah, I was like, man, that's kind of genius. As long as it doesn't impact customers, um, it's kind of I, I don't know. I thought it was smart just totally. to 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 keep that balance because for sure, and I think companies want more and more, right? You want more out of your employees. You want smarter ideas, quicker responses, more sales, whatever it is, right? Everyone yeah. always wants more, um, but more comes with time. Yes. Yes. Well, I think it's also, I think it's also us shifting from productivity being the thing that we measure that we say matters versus results, right? Yep. And so when we're still in the old mindset of productivity, which is how much did you do? Well, then sure, like working longer means you're more valuable because you did more stuff. But more and more of business today is actually about just results. Yep. Like, did we serve the customer? Did we get the project done? Did that project work? And that often isn't tied just to time. You may you may be able to get that done in two hours, and that's just as valuable as if it had taken, maybe more valuable than if it had taken you six hours, right? Yep. And so yep. it's like, Okay, well, let's talk about results. Let's not just talk about like quantity of time or output. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's um, it definitely hits home. Our, our CEO, LeView, he is constantly talking about, I don't care how many hours a day you work. I don't care. It's what's the output? What's the exactly. outcome? What's the outcome? What's the outcome? Uh, you know, and it's okay if it's not a good outcome as long as you recognize that too. But what's the outcome? And you know, when I sat there and I thought, he told me this a few times. And I don't find myself getting into like non-productive work too often, right? And I thought about that and I was like, wow, that's interesting. Like, that's really interesting. Just, you know, someone has to really tell you that though. So what is the outcome? Are you just doing, you know, left, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, or are you yeah. kicking a ball into a goal and scoring a goal? Yes. Right? Yes. It's the same two feet, right? Everything yep. is the same, except for the outcome is much different. You didn't walk across the street you scored a game, you know, you scored a goal on a soccer game as an example. But, um, and so I try to, you know, I try to not forget that because I think yeah. it's, I think it's really important. It's a trap. To, yeah. It's a trap. And that's why it's like, Oh, I think we used to think that way. And there might've been a reason for it. You know, the kind of businesses that we were running yeah. you know, at some point it's production it was production. It was production work. It was, if you're pencils. not on the line, we're, we're not making the parts. 
right? Yes. But now a lot of it's more intellectual work or it's customer, it's relational work or it's problem solving work. And that is more output driven. And yep. so you can't measure it and just tasks that you, that you completed, you have to ask, well, which of those tasks were really valuable and were some of those, could they have been done another time? And they didn't have to get done tonight. Yep. But you were in this trap of feeling like I needed to, to prove to my boss that I'm doing a good job or whatever. Yep. So I think it does. I think from leadership down, we have to remind each other a lot. Like in our business, we call it RPMs versus miles per hour. We're, we'd, we'd rather we'd rather measure miles per hour, like distance traveled and speed of getting there, than in RPMs. RPMs is just like how hard the engine's working and how loud it is. Right. But we all know you could be you know 6,000 RPMs, but the tires are spinning. Yep. And it's like, cool, you did a burnout, <laughs> you know, like yep. the car has not moved an inch, but it was really loud and it's the smoke was going everywhere. I'm like, or you could be in a freaking Tesla and just be quietly moving down the highway, right? <laughs> kicking yeah. ass, you know? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really good analogy and totally, totally makes sense. And uh, it's, it's so easy to get caught in that. Um, and I was there. So for anyone maybe who's listening that is there. It's not, I don't think it's a bad thing to, to get there at, in your career, especially when you're young. If you're like, if anyone's like me, young, yeah. hungry, super driven. I mean, I didn't need people to tell me what to do. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't need any of that. So, uh, but just recognizing either A, when you move to leadership, that has to change. It has to change. Leadership running it at, like you said, redlining, you know, on the RPM scale and everything else is going nowhere. Yeah is it's not good. And I actually did work in an environment like that. And what you find is just everyone around you is just like, what are we doing? We don't, yes. do, we don't do anything. Or you get the running joke of, oh yeah, we'll get, we, we'll get to that next year. And it's like, everyone knows next year actually means five years. Yes. And then you still won't get to it. So yes. it's like, you know, you gotta, I don't know. I, I do wish sometimes people get that feedback from, from their employees. And I think they're too either scared to ask for it and get it honestly. Or, you know, they're intimidating their employees to a point where they'll never give that type of feedback. But you, you really should ask it. If, you're, if you feel like you're there, ask yourself that question. Are we just, you know, spinning in the mud or are we actually doing stuff? And, and hear from your customer, right? Your yeah. customers should be, the, customers and employees to me are, are very similar. So similar, although you're closer to your actual employees. Um, so you got to know what they're thinking, how they're feeling. How they're feeling is how they make their customers feel. How yeah. their customers feel is what drives the business. You know, it's perpetual. Yeah. Uh, and you can't think of, you know, I, I see it as three spokes, the company, people, customers, right? And, and product in the tech world. So they have to run and they have to keep feeding each other in a, in a healthy and positive way. Yeah. I was talking to this executive the other day that, that we coach and uh, the, she was talking about, so I checked in on some of their big goals. Like, hey, you, you told me that it was really important for you all to get traction here, here, and here when you were planning for this quarter, how those going. And the response was somewhat typical, like not that well. Why? Well, so many fires have come up that I've, I'm having to put out constantly, right? And so I'm reacting to this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And I was like, okay, but when are you carving out time, protected time that you're moving towards the important, not just the urgent, but the important? And she's like, I don't have any protected time. I said, okay, well, so here's the scenario. At any meeting like that, we're going to be defending something because we're going to drop balls somewhere, right? Yep. And so I was like, would you rather show up to the next quarterly meeting with your investors and whoever and be defending the big, important 
balls that you dropped, the goals that didn't get hit, but you're able to show them all the small things that you did that didn't really matter, or would you rather show up having hit the big outcomes that you all said are the most important and then defend a few of the things that didn't you didn't have time to get to that, in retrospect, weren't that important? And she was like, that. I was like, well, right now you're not on track for that. You know, yep. right now you're on track for defending all these small tasks that kept popping up that you did while making no progress towards the things that weren't crying out to you because they were future oriented. Yep. Right. Yep. And it started clicking for her. I was like, go for the outcome, go for the outcome and then make time for the emergencies after the outcome, like the important has been taken care of every day. Does that make sense? For sure. But that was even for her. She's been in business for a long time and she's like, God, I'm still learning to get out of that old, like prove it, respond to everybody's needs right now instead of prioritizing them. And she's like, I feel guilty. I feel guilty at the idea of carving out two hours a day that I just have heads down on what's most important. I was like, friend, that's what leadership is. Yeah. Yep. And uh, it depends upon your business. I was in a, like a design studio agency, uh, marketing agency, and we had, I, I loved it and hated it. I don't know why I was very young, but I remember we had from 10 to 11 AM and from two to 3 AM, I forgot the term he called it, but it was like production hour phone rings. It's not answered. You can't two to 3 AM. No, no, no. Two to 3 PM. Like he had oh. one hour on morning, one morning. hour in the afternoon. Yep. I, no one's answering the phone. Someone walks in the door. You don't even act like they're there. They're not supposed to be there at this time. You know, no email is important. Doesn't matter what it is. Unless yeah. literally your chair's on fire, you should just be focusing on getting your tasks done. Mm. And I remember, and it was, you know, no breaks to go talk to colleagues. No, you know, if you got to use bathroom, you get to bathroom. But it was just super focused on you have tasks. We all have tasks. We're an agency, yep. um, you know, and they, they need to get done with high quality and it needs the attention and, you know, I, I always thought it was really interesting. And in hindsight, I, I think like, hmm, maybe I should do implement something like that. Um, but I just Some version it, of it. It's it's definitely interesting. And it's it's a little hard in the tech world to accomplish it. But I do think it could be done um, maybe with certain teams. So you could yeah. carve, carve that out on your dev team for sure. I mean, that seems like a very easy one, actually. Uh, carve it out. I don't care, guys. No meetings turn off your Slack or whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, Cause they're just so distracting. I, I, one of the things actually, I got a really good tip a long time ago and would love to share it because it actually was Please. very useful. Um, on my cell phone, somebody said to me, Brian, do you want to have less anxiety on your phone? I'm like, yeah. Like I was like, it's like notification here, notification there. And they said, turn off your, not turn off your notification, turn off the bubble that tells you how many new notifications you have on the app. So it was like, Huh, interesting. Because I constantly found like LinkedIn, this stupid update on like, I don't know, Microsoft does this. I'm like, I don't freaking care. Yeah. But yeah. it's like I saw the bubble and like I had to, the bubble had to get cleared, you know, like OCD in a sense. Um, and so I started finding myself, I just removed the bubble from a lot of the apps that are on my cell phone. And I don't have that anxiety of, oh, I need to clear it or check it. Cool. So like, so it, and it was super helpful. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if that's maybe a small tip, but I found I like it very that. useful. Dude, I really like that. I had another friend. One of the things that he did cell phone wise was he, uh, I guess he did nighttime mode or something where yep. every night from like eight to 12 or something, nothing was coming in from anybody unless he had designated you. 
Yep. So he designated like his wife and then a few of us of his closest friends mm-hmm. that our calls and texts would come through, but nobody else's would. And he was like, it was like forced, it was like forced boundaries. Yep. And he loved it. And what he realized was he kept being so afraid of the hypothetical, what if somebody needs me or whatever? And he's like, I still haven't run into a situation that couldn't have waited till the morning. Exactly. And I'm like, that's interesting. You know, like the actual yeah. data of your life. I had another mentor say 99% of emergencies aren't. <laughs> that was it. He was it's like, true. they all present themselves as emergencies and only 1% of them actually are. And so we're usually craft, like giving away 100% of our life for the 1% that actually was an emergency. You yep. know? Yep. No, it's, that's a, uh, I like that. I like that also. And, and I can tell you 100% fact. I don't miss any of the bubbles on my phone. Like the LinkedIn bubble, sorry, is gone. Like, yeah. If I, I just log in once a day, see what's going on, scroll through it, get any updates, post something if I want, I move on it. But um, yeah, like between chat, email, and then you have your whole personal side on there too. It's just it's it can be very distracting. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, any of these. Well, that's like tips the communication are, you were talking about. That's critical for like let's say you and your wife. Like that took some learning with me and my wife of saying. What are the kinds of things that like you should text me or call me in the middle of the day? And what are the things that like, honestly probably could have waited until I got home because I'm going to prioritize you. And so if I see a call coming in in the middle of this, like I need to know that it was like something you deemed necessary to call me in the middle of the work day. Right. And then it's doing the same thing with your employees or your business partners and saying, if I see a call from you or a text from you when I'm like in family time, I need to know that you've gone through a checklist in your head that this was worth interrupting that time. Yep. Right. Versus just something you were just thinking about on the way home and called me. And, and, and that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, sure. you can do it. But like, like right now, my wife, if she were to call me, I would pause this podcast and I'd pick up because we've established that kind of thing. Yep. That something is either time sensitive or really important happening right yep. now that I need to pick up and know about with my kids or with her or something. Other than that, she's going to wait. Yep. And, and we should expect the same thing from our business life that says, like, if you're calling me personally, I'm going to expect you to be able to justify why that took me out of my downtime with my kids or my wife. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And um, hard, hard to execute, but I like that the ideas of kind of blocking it, right, in a sense. Yeah. Um, and I think also the, the big thing with it is you have to actually uh, set that example or show it, show it, right? You can't just yeah. talk about that. You have to either ignore the call or whatever it might be to, to make sure, but that can be a challenge. I mean, I can definitely see how well, that that's why I say it's an ongoing conversation <laughs> that like yep. you, you kind of, and there's grace involved, you know, and, and like giving each other grace for and compassion, but it's an ongoing evolution. And, and it, and it, I think it, it changes in certain seasons, what's worth interrupting and not. And yep. speaking of, I hear a little baby crying in the background. And so we've already she gone is. over the time that I promised you we would go. So I want to respect your time uh, and let you get back to, to your life. So Brian, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. This was a truly enjoyable conversation and I'm glad we took the time to dive into your personal life. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. Good chatting with you. Yes, sir. Thank you, buddy. See ya. Founders. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.